You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Oh, guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, about folks. We are back, and we have a doubleheader again for you this week. There's just so much stuff to talk about that we're going to have to double up over the next few weeks. And you know what? We have a good one for you this week. We have, ready for this? We're going to be talking about Ms. Marvel, the new series for Marvel. And it brings, you know, Camilla Khan to this big screen. Well, some of us who have bigger TVs, that's the big screen. But, you know, it'll be fun. And then, of course, our second topic is going to be Star Trek Strange New Worlds, where we get to see the adventures of Captain Pike and his crew of merry men and women. And it's going to be very interesting to talk all about. And we got a lot of folks joining us tonight because we have different crew for different topics tonight. So we're going to be, you know, transporting in and out of the station all night. But this man will be here all night because I took away his transporter key. Let's welcome Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. Ready for a big one tonight, Mikey. It's going to be fun. Uh, although I have to ask you before we get into the nitty gritty of both series, I got to ask you right on the outset, which team you stand with as far as, hairstyles who has better hair camilla from uh, marvel or or captain pike from the strange new worlds who has better hair well captain pike has the better 23rd century uh, hair gel so you know it it almost stands straight up so it's well, i have to go with that they don't one. yeah i mean pike's peak come on that's i mean i uh i i i look at that hair and go man that's that's awesome. Uh, that's just so I, cool. I noticed you asked that before the Earth Station Trek people come on to the show. Sure, sure. Yeah. And and before anybody else comes on to the show, really, because, you know. Yeah, of course. This is, this is, this is time that we have to, to banter, right? Of course. This is our bantering time because we don't have time this to do that. This is banter time. We don't have time to do it during the rest of the show. So. But, yes, right. it's going to be fun. And I'm very curious to see what you guys at home have thought. Which, you know, show worked for you? Did either of them not work? Please, feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear from you. And if you get a chance, please rate us five stars up on where you're listening to this, on your favorite podcast player. We're up there on on Apple. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're on Pandora. We're on Google. We're, you know, wherever fine podcasts are found, Earthstation One is there. Tell your friends and neighbors about us. We really appreciate it. Also being appreciated, of course, we also want to say hey to our friends over at our Patreon. And as a way of saying thank you to our patrons, we actually did another episode of Rants and Raves for you guys, where Mike, myself, and Mary talk all about our flag means death. Um, another series. Another series. Like I first, said, first season. Yeah, exactly. So, like I said, there's tons we we got to talk about. And you know what? We're going to. It's going to be a blast to do it. And you know what, folks? We're looking forward to it. We definitely want to thank our patrons. And we're trying to do little things to 
you know, thank him and stuff and, you know, give him a little swag, give him a little extra show here and there. And please, you know, definitely join in. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. And for as little as $1 a month or $5 a month or $10 a month, or even up to $15 a month, you too can help support the ESO network. We would so appreciate it if you did. And of course, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Speaking of thank you, of course, we have to thank our sponsor for tonight, which is, of course, Tifosi Optical. Tifosi Optical is your place for sunglasses, for, you know, very cool, you know, gamer glasses, you know, for safety goggles, for biking glasses, you know, all these different things. They have it. You know, go check out TifosiOptics.com as a way of saying thank you to being part of their page to, you know, because of buying stuff and of listening to our show. We're giving you a 10% coupon. That's right. And the coupon code put in Earth Station 1. And set, that basically says, hey, we, we heard you on Earth Station 1. And you know what? You get 10% off your whole order. Not just one pair of glasses. Your whole order. That's not too bad, folks. Check it out. Tifosioptics.com. Okay, so first off, I just want to say, I get it. You get what? High school. Kamala. Kamala. Another adventure shirt. Cute. She thinks I'm some kind of weirdo. You were a weirdo. Boys. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of on my shirt. Sorry. But you're staring out the window in your little fantasy land. Kamala. Hey. Already? Really? Come on. Like. Do I have to figure out my whole future before lunch or is like... Maybe they're right. I spend too much time in fantasy land. That is not you. It's not really the brown girls from Jersey City who save the world. That's a fantasy too. Did something happen to you? No, why? Did you hear something? Come on, love. What does it feel like? Cosmic. I always thought I wanted this kind of life, but I never imagined any of this. Do you know what you are? I'm a superhero. And like we told you earlier in the episode, it is a double feature tonight. So we are going to be looking at Ms. Marvel, the new series from Disney and Marvel, of course. And it just came to an end last week. And boy, I've been like itching to talk about this one. We got a great crew to talk all about it. And Mr. Mike, you want to do some introductions? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, the first person is someone who needs no introduction because she's on every week or just about every week here on Earth Station One. Is that the geek girl herself? Angela Pritchett is here. Angela, welcome to the station. Welcome hey, back. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I'm I mean, excited. it feels like you're here with us all the time, but unfortunately, you're not. So it's glad to see you here today. I get to be around people, just not in my corner by myself. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Hopefully we don't scare her off for another quite few months. Um, uh, and we also have with us Channing, another guy who's not been with us for a little while. So Channing, welcome back to the station. 
Hey, glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, we have a short amount of time to cover a a six episode series, so let's get started. Um, we'll go. We'll start with you, Angela. What were your expectations for Ms. Marvel going in, and overall, what did you think of the series? Okay, so I was really, really excited about this one. Um, there's when Disney Plus announced their show lineup for for Phase Four. This and She Hulk were are, are the two that I was the most ready for. These are what I wanted. The strong females, give them to me. Yes, please. And mm-hmm. so I was totally pumped for this one. I was scared about how you know it was gonna you know like how it did. It got bombed with bad reviews, which. I, I didn't want to know that was going to happen, but I kind of assumed it was going to happen because some people are just awful. But I was so happy. It was so good. And it, like everything fit together, the music, the themes of family, all the acting was so good. The story writing was solid. Everything flowed and it was great. And yes, I'm still just really happy about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of had a rough, bumpy start. I mean, we're not sure exactly how it finished in the ratings, but... You know, the, it, it de- it's debuted in the Nelson streaming ratings at the number 10 spot, which is really low for a Marvel series, really low for a Disney Plus series. And uh, and then by the second episode, it was off the top 10 completely. So um, so it'll be really interesting. Nelson's always like three or four weeks behind with their streaming numbers. I think it's because they're getting them from the other sources. So um, so it'll be interesting to see where this ends up after the finale. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's been pretty weirdly received and mixed reviews to be sure. Uh, Channing, what about you? What, uh, what did you know going in and, and what did you feel like, uh, overall, uh, after you watched the finale? Well, yeah, I mean, kind of like Angela, I was excited about it too. Uh, mainly I just got tired of seeing shows about dudes. Um, so, you know, I wanted, to, <laughs> wanted a little change up there and, um, I enjoyed it just because after all the dark and edgy, gritty stuff, it was nice to have something that was light and bright. Um, not every superhero has to, you know, be moody and brooding and everything. And I mean, at her core, Kamala Khan is a fangirl who got superpowers. And that's kind of how I would act. And I'm a 40 year old man. And if I woke up tomorrow with superpowers, I would probably have a similar reaction that she had. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, if I had an issue, it would be with the villains. And Marvel doesn't do villains well. If they have a, a kryptonite, I'm going to cross a fandom here. It is, <laughs> it is, it's villains. But, no, I, I loved it. I thought it was a great show, and I hope it gets the second season. Now, um were either one of you familiar with the character from the comics? Because she's only been around for not even 10 years in the comics. She was introduced in 2013. And uh, and that was kind of a bumpy introduction as well. Um, but are you guys familiar with her from the comics? Or was this your first introduction to her? Angela. Okay, sorry, I didn't want to didn't want to jump anyone. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I was familiar with her pretty much. Like, I... My first job was at a comic shop. So every time I hear of new characters and especially being, because when I started, I was 14, 15 working in a comic shop. So like that was mid nineties. So it's one of those things where getting to see 
female characters leading their own books, getting to see that like every time I'm at my new local comic shop that I shop at buying those issues because that's what I would have wanted to read when I was a kid. And a lot of this stuff now, like people are keep saying when they go into theaters, like we went in to see Captain Marvel, stuff like that. Female fans just crying because they're like, holy cow, this is stuff that I wish we had when I was a kid. Like, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I was familiar with her. I'd read it. I've gotten in fights with people over being mean. I'm trying to think of words I'm allowed to use. I don't want to say Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, bad. no. I get it. Um, I get it. Back when, I want to say like 2015, 2016, there were people covering up um, just awful bad things towards Muslims with stickers of her in like London and stuff on buses and everything. And there was a lot of news things about that. I remember getting a fight to people because they're because they were being awful. And I'm like, well, no, this is this is a strong character that fights for right and is Muslim. Like people covering this horrible things that people are saying up is good. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Channing, were you, yeah, did you know her? Did you know before? Um, I knew her a little bit. Um, sadly, I think my first time hearing about her was. Um, when all the controversy started, when her book was coming out and just um, kind of like Angela said, you know how comic book um, diehards can be sometimes. So that was probably my first exposure to her, just all of the the hate that the character was receiving just before the book had even dropped, really, I think. Um, but I'd have to say my first real um, chance to see her was in the Avengers cartoon. Um, yeah, she was added in the later season. And again, that's kind of where I get the idea of she was a fangirl who got superpowers because she was fangirling all over Captain Marvel when they met. It was actually um, the center point of an episode. At some point, it, she would always want Captain Marvel to tell her exactly what to do, even during battles, because she looked up to her so much. And finally, Captain Marvel just had to pull her off to the side and say, hey fight these people don't wait for me <laughs> but no i i enjoyed the character i think um obviously because she was female and muslim she drew a lot of unnecessary hate and i also think that whenever you have a new young character who's, who's described as things like plucky and energetic a lot of comic book fans especially older ones just kind of turn their noses up um, yeah, they, they do the Lou Grant, right? I hate spunk, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, Ahsoka was the same way when they first talked about introducing Ahsoka in Clone Wars. Everybody just kind of poo pooed on her, and she's honestly one of my top five Star Wars characters of all time. Hey, they dude, did such a good yeah. job. Both girls. No one ever complained yeah. that Peter Park Peter Parker was spunky and stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, Miles Morales. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mike, what about you? What, uh, I'm, I'm sure you were familiar with her in the comics, but, uh, what did you think going into the series and then overall, what were your thoughts? Well, of course, for me, I had, you know, heard about her when the comic was first coming out and it had my curiosity going because a young teenage Muslim superhero, and it was like, Marvel's taking a chance on this. I was really impressed to see that and i read the first issue and i said it's cute it's maybe not for me completely 
And I pretty much left it at that. And, you know, then I, when I think probably about three years ago, four years ago, I was at uh, probably Ollie's and they had the first trade for like four bucks or something. And so I picked it up just because I, you know, I'd heard rumors that they were starting to think about doing a Marvel show for her or possibly a movie at the time. And so I decided to learn more about the character and everything. And I loved what I read. It was very light. It was very a very easy read. It wasn't for me. It wasn't my character. But it was for a different audience. And I enjoyed it. And um, when I had it sitting around the house and William picked it up and he loved it. And so, you know, it it was more for his, you know, age group and everything. And I, I think it was very well done. And I was very curious to see what they were going to do for the series. And, you know, I started thinking about it. You know, her biggest supervillain in the series literally should be the fanboy, you know, because <laughs> that's who, you know, who's who's the biggest creeps against her. And the backlash and everything are these fanboys who, if it's not a white male superhero, you know, it's, you know, crap or it's bull crap or whatever, or Star Wars or Doctor Who or whatever, you know, it's, it's all across the fandom and that has to stop because that's, what's going to eventually kill the fandom. So, yeah. and that's no the crappy part about there. Yeah. I, uh, I had read the first trade, although it, it took me a while. I think I read it last year. I don't know if I got it at Ollie's or not, but anyway, um, and I very much enjoyed the writing, the art, um, uh, her powers were depicted in a weird sort of surreal style that at times took me out of the story. Um, and it looks like they've addressed some of her power. Her powers are a little different. I think in the series a little bit anyway, but, and certainly the, where they come from are, are different. Her origins a little bit different, but it looks like a cast of characters is pretty, pretty much the same. Um, I didn't recognize a lot of, I don't think the first trade has the villains from this one in it. Uh, so I wasn't familiar with them at all. And, uh, and to Channing's point, I, I think, you know, with the, with the, uh, they should have devoted a little bit more time to them, I think, because I really didn't understand their motivation or really get to know them so that, uh, and we will be, by the way, if we haven't already, we will be spoiling this. Um, so uh, spoilers are allowed. You can talk about anything. And, uh, um, so when, uh, like the, the, uh, the woman died, sacrificed herself at the end, I didn't really feel anything cause I didn't really feel like I knew her. Um, but, uh, but, um, you know, the star of the show, uh, is, uh, the character of Kamala Khan, uh, Khan and, uh, I'm in Vellani plays her right. And she's so, amazing and uh you know looking at the behind the scenes stuff she is she's the best person to play ms marvel because she is a fangirl who you know cosplayed as ms marvel and now gets to play ms marvel like it's like a it's like really like the reality is is uh what do they say like um 
uh, it's imitation, like imitating reality or fiction, mm. whatever. Right. It's, yeah. uh, Mm. Um, and it's really cool because you've seen pictures in some of the TV interviews that she's done and they've shown the costume that her mom made for her for her 15th hollow for Halloween for yes. her 15th birthday. Yes. And yeah. it, it's awesome to see that. Yeah, it is. A, it's an incredible story in and of itself. And that's just behind the scenes. But yeah, she is. And I think she's the strongest thing about uh, the show. Um, her portrayal um, her character, they, they do spend a lot of time on her and that's great because she's fun to watch. Uh, and overall I enjoyed it. I want more. Uh, I want more. I want to see where this goes. Obviously she's got a, uh, spot in the next, uh, Marvel's film, like the Marvels it's called. Right. And so we'll talk about that in a little bit about what the future holds for her, but, uh, let's get back to the series. I know that it's hard to encapsulate like a whole series in in a little bit of time, but, Angela, what's one thing about the show, either a character, performance, a scene, something about the series that really, really spoke to you? Okay. Uh, I mean, hit me on the spot. Uh, (laughs) You're on a podcast. You're always on the spot. (laughs) Okay. But um, I would say one thing that I really loved was the music. And just the way that it progressively, like, played into her culture as the show went on as well. Like we mm-hmm. started off with the like was the weekend or whatever, blinding lights. And then just slowly move into some of like it was really, really cool. Like I need a soundtrack. It was really, really cool. <laughs> but um just the way that, you know, they Marvel recently has been really good at catering their music to their shows. So that was just one thing that stood out to me was every episode had different songs for each thing based on really what was going on in that episode. So that was one of the things that really stood out to me that I really liked. I do know the score has already been released by uh, Marvel Music and Hollywood Records. Uh, so uh, the score is out there. I'm not sure about like a lot of the other tracks that's on there as well. CD. <laughs> well, that might be out there too. I don't. I don't know. She's an old school take person. Those Come on. Like, look, I just take those Spotify Spotify links to like there. So I'm. Yeah. I'm good. Uh, Channing, what about you? What's something? So you you've got a little bit of time to think about it now. So the pressure's on you, man. Uh, but <laughs> what what um what's something that you really that resonated with you in the series? Um, I mean, I've, uh, I'm going to steal one of Angela's. The music, definitely. Um, how. It was, it was very culturally aware and culturally um, accurate. But if you want to want me to pick the one thing that I think resonated with me the most, and I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, it was Bruno. And it's because Bruno had this obvious crush on her. And when he saw that it was a one-way crush, he was cool with it. He didn't, like, break down in tears. He didn't become a supervillain. He didn't do any kind of incel activities. It's like, hey, she doesn't feel the way I feel. I can still be her friend, and I can go on, you know, to Caltech. And there, I've there, been there's in a little situation. bit of resentment there. There's a little bit of resentment. I mean, I'm sure it's some when he saw when he saw the uh, the two holding hands, but you know, he just kind of swallowed that and kept it going. And look, sure. I've been on the the end of some one way crushes. And I think um, we all yeah. have, dude. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Mike that, Gordon that has a restraining order because of it, you know? So. <laughs> so, 
So yeah, I, I I keyed in on that when I was like, man, Bruno was me, and I I, I get it. So yeah, that that was one. I, I need I need some Bruno merch. <laughs> Uh, Mike, what about you? Well, for me, a lot of it was family and culture. It it was neat to see a superhero show and that didn't have an angsty family or have a fa- family that wasn't, you know, weird or crazy or have a supervillain brother or somebody. No, it was a, fa- a family that was being supportive of her and trying to understand their daughter and everything because they didn't find out until the second to last episode that, you know, that's when the mom found out that, you know, she was a superhero or she had powers. And it was just interesting to see that. And as I'd like to say, also the history in this was amazing. This is the second TV show that I watched that actually brought up about the partition. And it was amazing to how they, they didn't dodge a bullet with it. They didn't whitewash it. It was horrible. It was miserable. The other one that talked about it a bit was Doctor Who, if you remember, in Jody's first season. And it, I was, it's, but you never heard about it really on mainstream TV all that much. And it was neat to see that they took it on head on. And I liked that. And for me, going back to the family, the scene where in the in the final episode where all, they're all sitting around the living room and she's going to tell them about that, you know, she has superpowers. And they all know already because the mom blabbed it to, you know. So, And I loved how the brother found out, well, you know, you shouldn't keep the, your phone on speaker. Come on, Dad. You know? And it, it, was, it was just awesome. Also, her sister-in-law wanting to know all about her powers. Right. Oh, it was awesome. It was great. And, you know, and that's what you would want. And then for the whole town to, you know, stand up against the, you know, the the feds, basically, you know. And it was it was just awesome. You know, Jersey City, you know, a.k.a. Atlanta has their own superhero now. <laughs> hey, there is no way her there's no way her secret identity is going to stay a secret. Oh no, um, no. I know how families work. Yeah. Yeah, I know how families work. Somebody's gonna be bragging about their child and her mom's gonna be like, Oh, well, you know, my child, you know, she saved a hundred people. Like, yeah, it's just gonna it's just gonna spiral out of control. That and Kamala couldn't keep her mask on to save her life, so No, she couldn't. No. Agreed. I uh uh one thing I really liked about the series, um I like the fact that this one really more than a lot of the other ones that, you know, Marvel on the one hand, what they've done has been incredible and unprecedented and they've established certain things about their universe. And when you watch a Marvel movie or TV show, you kind of know it instantly. Like there's, there's some variations, like one may be like a bit more of a horror movie. One might be more of a, espionage one might be more of a comedy but they all kind of have the same kind of look and they have the same feel um variations on on a on a structure that has been established since the first iron man movie um then enter miss marvel right this one looks like i mean it's very stylized i love the animated sequences i love the fact that they were really trying to get inside uh camilla's head like they just were like giving in a fun way not in an angst way but um it really helped 
I mean, to introduce this character that we didn't really know that well, and like I said, has only been around for less than 10 years in the comics, it's really a nice way to get to know her very quickly um, in shorthand because, you know, we can't, we don't want to spend too much time with a lot of that stuff. But, and it's a very light, fun way to do that. And um, also, you know, to use the um, sort of uh, family and and other aspects to it as well. I think it just worked really well because, I mean, her power set is kind of based on her imagination. So I think it was important to establish right away uh, visually her animation as well. And I thought they did a really good way to do it. It made the, made the show feel kind of, and, you know, this is old man, I guess, but it's like hip and young, right? I mean, it felt like a really, like, hip, cool show like you'd see on nickelodeon or something like that or as opposed to like a marvel show uh i mean you couldn't do this with hawkeye you couldn't do this with like you know uh mostly like so um it it was very nice to allow them to to spread out a little bit wider net as far as the way the marvel depicts things i think uh and to give us a very much a very you know similar story that marvel's told uh like for over six decades as far as the, you know, it's the same thing with Peter Parker, you know, Peter Parker gets powers and he's a high school kid and he has to deal with high school stuff. And he has to deal with all this stuff on top of like finding out about powers and stopping bad guys. And I thought that had, this had that vibe to it as well. So it's a very Marvel property, uh, but it was shown in a very unique way, which I really liked and appreciated. Um, yeah. I'm almost Edgar Wrightish, but not, not really, but um, which is odd since Edgar Wright tried to make a Marvel movie and they canned him because it was too stylized. So, you know, I guess they just wait a little bit and here we go, right? Um, all right. What's something else you want to bring up? And this can be like a criticism or something else you really appreciated about the show. Uh, Channing, I'm going to start with you on this one. Uh, what's something else that, like I said, it can be a criticism if you want. We've already talked about the the villains and that wasn't really right. established very well, but it was, there something else maybe that they missed out on or you wanted to see more of? Um, I will say as a, as a criticism and just as a fun aside, and this is a spoiler coming up. Um, Kamala being a mutant instead of an inhuman is 100% Kevin Feige being petty. It is 100%. We don't necessarily um, know. They just said there was a mutation. And the Inhumans, they could put her in that, that tube and see if that, that you never know. But, How many but geek outs did you, you get, though, when they played the X-Men theme? You know? Right. Uh, you know, it, it, is, it, is, it is interesting. Um, and I knew we were going to get to this. There's two things that happened at the end. In the, the last five minutes of the show there's two things that have everybody talking right we'll talk about the second thing in a minute but um the first thing is the whole like word mutant i don't know if it's the first time in the mcu it's been mentioned mutation or mutant uh right right okay but you know everybody all the fanboys and girls are out there on pins and needles waiting for that x-men door to burst open at some point mm-hmm. right and kevin's been really like you know like he's been he's been kind of playing like hide and seek with it like yeah maybe here nope nope and he pulls it away maybe here no but he pulls it away is this an opening or is this another fake out or because of the issue the, the discrepancy with the, the way that her powers develop in the comics is it just like kind of just awkward 
Um, so yeah, what what did you what did you feel about that? Um, uh, I'll, uh, what's that? Yeah, I'll go ahead and dive in. Um, yeah, yeah. I I think yeah, you brought it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'll take the bullet on this one. Um, I I think this was kind of a Marvel thing. A lot of people were complaining. Oh, she's got different powers. She's supposed to have stretchy powers, and you can't have a Marvel TV show follow a Marvel comic page for page, line for line, block for block, just because the comic book fans are going to be bored. They're going to know everything that's happened. So they have to throw a few curveballs in here. Um, I want to believe that they're just going to go ahead and make her a mutant just to try and streamline things. But it is not out of the realm of possibility for this to just be Kevin Feige messing with us. And he's going to, just to prove Ike Perlmutter wrong, is just going to do Inhumans better than Perlmutter and Crew ever could. Just, again, because he's petty and he's got a twist that night. I love him, but he's petty. <laughs> Plus, he seems to be not, like, that supportive. I mean, Kevin Feige doesn't have a lot of good things to say about the Inhuman series um, and the way that was played out. I'm sorry? <laughs> people don't yeah 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 so um so i don't and in in the past he's sort of you know wants just to close that book and never open it again but you know we'll see if that's going to happen because for those people who don't know in the comics uh come on is a is an inhuman i mean so the terrigen mist affect her right and that's opens up her powers and that's why she has the powers and her family the rest of her family doesn't and Mm -hmm. uh you know the way that you know I mean, I think they could have just said, you know, she bonded with the bracelet and that's that's it. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. enough, you know, uh, for to get her powers going. But um, and maybe it skipped a generation or something like that. Who knows? But or maybe the rest of her family could have had power. We don't know. But in any case, they're 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 they mentioned the word mutation. And all of a sudden, a million voices cried out. What? <laughs> uh I need him to uh, just be what, playing. I need him to just be playing. Well, and, right. well, they played the theme too, so Look, you know they control that, us. Okay, enough people troll <laughs> them. They control wow. them. But I need. But it, you also did get Professor Xavier and Doctor Strange. Different world. Different world. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's a different world. That doesn't but, even. Uh, that's just like that doesn't. You know. Blah blah blah. Different. At the end of the Marvels, and, them give her lockjaw. That's all I want. <laughs> so, so, all right. So, Angela, so to be clear, like, what do you, what do you want or think about, like, the word mutation being used here and what that means for Kamala going forward? I mean, it's probably going to be what I don't want it to be, and they're probably going to make her a mutant. But I would love for them to just be, you know, throwing that word out haphazardly or to be like, you know what, let's make a thousand fanboys scream out in happiness and then pull it away from them um for trying to make our show bomb but um yeah i just i I really like they did the inhumans dirty and i know a lot of people don't like them but if they would give them the proper treatment it would be really awesome especially if they're bringing fantastic four out like those two franchises work so well together that I just look. I I am one hundred percent convinced that they've given us three possible 
explanations for her powers for the sole purpose of trolling it. Either she's a mutant, either she's an inhuman, and the bangle just kind of triggered the pterogenesis, or the bangle is related to um, the negaband. So she's, she's either cosmic, she's a mutant, or she's an inhuman. And they're just lording it over us. All right. Here's the thing that I found, found curious, too. The flashback to when they find the bracelet originally on that uh, that blue arm, I got a really big, like, uh, vibe of uh, the uh, creep. Say the word. Yeah. That's it. And, <laughs> say the word. and so... So, I mean, that opens up a whole, like, that opens up a whole thing, too. So, uh, you know, does that lead into uh, Kree Skull War or something? Like, Civil War? I don't know. Like, that, there's a lot of possibilities there. Mike, what do you have to Well, if you, you remember, they were also looking for a second band because there were two yeah. of them. And, second arm. <laughs> well, they, what they, did, they looked and they didn't see it. So, but it's interesting because those are the power bands. That was, you know, from Captain Marvel, like the original Captain Marvel, and from the comics, but also Quasar and a, a couple of other characters also had that. So, but it's interesting. But I like that she just had the one, but they said the power's coming from inside her. It's just a conduit for it to, you know, to, to go through. And I like that a lot. It could be something with the Inhumans. It could be a mutant. You know what? It was fun. And that's what you wanted in this show had fun with everything. You had to look at every background, but to see what was going on, what she, you know, when, when she was texting or something, some of the backgrounds changed depending on her mood or what was being typed and everything. And that was brilliant. I thought that was great. One of the things I have to bitch about though, is Avengers con at late at night, you know, they, no, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wait, no, that should that, that should have been an Avengers rave or something. That was a party. That wasn't a con. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that was a party. That didn't feel like any con. I mean, like maybe the MCU throws cons differently than we do in in real life, but man, that was that was kind of weird. And that was everything her parents didn't want her to be at. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Considering the fan base that watches this show, you know that they were going to be called like they'd be called out on it. Like everybody'd be like, "No, that's not like." any con thing so i will say though as a uso cosplayer for the captain america uso girls i was excited to see so many uso girl cosplayers in that scene yeah and i love that we also got to see the original uh ms marvel costume at the Mm -hmm. you know which was pretty nice to see yeah because we got the yeah because i noticed that uh riddle uh, who we've had on the show a long time ago, a cosplayer was in that group as well. Um, yep. uh, all right, so let's move on. And Mike, you kind of opened the door too to this because uh, you talked about the the bands. Um, so the the last scene or mid you know mid credit scene uh, is a little preview of uh, gives us a little preview for or excited for Miss Mar- uh, the Marvels, which is coming out in next year, uh, which is going to star th- not one. Not two, but three, three Marvel uh, female heroes, um, and uh, two of which we've been—well, actually, three—we've been introduced to already. So, um, so the scene is that you know she's in her room, and suddenly she changes into Carol Danvers. Uh, so, 
Um, this has speculated a huge debate online as to whether or not she shapeshifted because the character, uh, Kamala, in the comics can shapeshift mm-hmm. or she swapped places with Carol Danvers, uh, the real Carol Danvers. Um, there's not, there's a lot of, I've seen the debates go back and forth and people are like, you know, really having fun with this. Uh, where do you stand on the, uh, the Marvel's end credit uh, debate here, Channing? Where do you stand on that? Um, I'm very much team. She swapped places. Um, okay. When, yeah, when Carol Danvers comes out, she is looking around the room very confused, as I would be if I appeared in a room and saw a bunch of pictures of myself on the wall. Um, so I'm going to switch places, and that kind of ties the bangle in with um, the nega band. So mm-hmm. again, it could be a troll where they're just kind of dangling that in front of us. But yeah, I'm going to switch places. Okay, switch places. Uh, Angela? I say the same thing. Like, Captain Marvel looked a little bit too confused, like, looking at pictures of herself. Not necessarily looking in the mirror, just, like, looking at pictures of herself. So, gotcha. I think they switched places. Gotcha. Mike? Um, for me, I'm going to say switch places. But I was, at first, when I first saw it, I had, a, like, Judy and I watched it, like, four times, that scene over and over. Rewind, rewind. Because we had, because she was, like, looking at her hands, and you saw the energy on her hands. Yep, which and is the like, same energy that uh, Kamala has. Exactly. And it was just like, wait a minute, did she shape change? Because those who read the comics knew when she first got her powers, she was Carol Danvers for, like, 24 hours because she didn't yep. know how to change back to her regular form. And so I, that's where my mind went first, but then I started thinking about it and saying, no, 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 no. And when she, just like the character. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, so, but you know, that leads a question. Why would Carol Danvers say no, 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 no. Why wouldn't she say like, what the hell? Like, you know, why? Probably because she was in the middle of something really bad and she realizes she probably changed places with somebody and whoever did it is in a lot of trouble. And it's it, it could yeah, go ahead in. And I think because there is a big big fight online right now, a big argument about Miss Marvel changing her costume for the movie. Okay. So I think something's going to happen that she's going to have to do that because they've made such a big deal about the significance of her mother making her costume that I kind of hope that they play that into her being shifted somewhere and something happening and her having to change her costume because I'm really upset that they're changing her costume for the movie after mm-hmm. showing how significant her costume was to her mm-hmm. and her identity. Yeah. Maybe it'll um, be like the... It's definitely a different look for Carol Danvers than we've seen in the past. So that's another sort of mark against it's possibly not her. Uh, in a lot of people's minds. So playing devil's advocate or playing just, you know, because the three of you are agreeing on one thing and I'm going to go out there and say, I mean, my, the first time I saw it, I was convinced it was the mega bands too, but I have seen enough people talk about it and bring up some interesting points that the possibility of her uh, changing uh, shape into Carol Danvers is intriguing and on the table still. I don't think it's a, uh, it's. It, I don't think it's. Uh, you know, and I think that's. It's that's the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to guess, right? So we won't know until you know 
the movie comes out or a trailer or something. So, uh, you know, so it'll be, it will be interesting to see that. So that's, we have to wait till 2023 to see the Marvels. Um, what else do you want? Or do you want another season of Miss Marvel by herself? Or do you want to see her interact a little bit more? Do you, would you like to see her part of the, this whole young Avengers initiative that seems to be happening throughout the MCU as well? Um, what uh, what do you want the future of Ms. Marvel to be, and and how do you want it to see it play out? Uh, Mike, we'll start with you because we started with our guests on the others' questions. So. Oh wow, I feel honored. Uh, yes, I would love to see a second season. There's so much universe that they've built. I want to see more of it. I want to see where they're going to go, and you know what? I want to see the Atlanta skyline in New Jersey. So it's perfect. <laughs> So, yeah, you just want to see the Fox Theater again. Oh, of course I want to see the uh, Fox Theater again. Over and over and over again. Uh, oh, yeah. I uh, Man, I thought they did a, a also just really, uh, they, I don't know if this is, I think this might be the first time I've ever seen uh, Karachi on the screen. Uh, so I give them credit for, you know, giving us a new world within our world that, you know, is right there, uh, but making it feel like uh an interesting experience, uh, an alien experience, if you will. Um, but uh, man, I, I was really surprised to see that all that stuff was filmed in Thailand. So it's like, wow, I guess you can <laughs> match anything. But uh, uh, Channing, where do you want to see the uh, Miss Marvel go? Uh, definitely want a season two. Um, I want to see her interact with um, her friends. And I can't, I'm blanking on her friend's name, who was one of the last people to find out that she got her powers. I feel like right. there's still some bridge building there that's going to need to be done. Um, we joked about it earlier, but I kind of want to see the family struggling to keep her secret. I'm sure there's going to be times where they're tempted to let something slip. Um, that I, I kind of want to see that played up in a comedic way. As far as the young Avengers, I feel like, she might be too young for the Young Avengers. I thought the Young Avengers were supposed to be late teens, kind of early 20s. But if they could work maybe the champions in, I feel like that would be a good fit. Which, in the comics, she is the leader of the champions right. in one iteration of that group, right? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. that. So you want to see the champions. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing her, her with the champions because one thing I liked about the champions, at least in the story that I read, the champions kind of got sick of the older, more adult heroes who had kind of forgotten that, oh, we're supposed to be helping people. And I just I just kind of enjoyed that, that you had these, you know, they were all teenagers at the time, I think, who just kind of went rogue and said, OK, we're just going to do our own thing now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Angela, what do you want to, where do you want to see the future of Miss Marvel go? I would love to see a second season. I really feel like the style of this show is a lot of fun and it's so different from all the other Marvel shows we've gotten that I would love to see more of her adventures or like, and we don't necessarily know what's going to happen in the Marvels. So like they could even, you know, stuff may happen that would make it even more interesting or Maybe we'll get some villains that aren't super mediocre and, you know, stuff like that. And also just seeing Bruno and Nakia was her other friend's name. Yeah. And um, just her family and stuff, because like how all of her friends and her brother came at the end to help her was 
super fun. And I loved that whole scene in the school at the end. I thought it was just adorable and fun. So, I I mean, I, I would love to see more of that, just building on the character she is. And even Bruno, like, becoming her, you know, Bruce Banner or, or Tony Stark style in the scientist aspect. So, because where he kept gave, giving her gadgets was awesome. And, like, you know, I thought it was a neat little dynamic with their friendship. And his yeah. friendship with her family. So, I just want to see more of that. And Lockjaw. Yeah. I want Lockjaw. Really? <laughs> I, I, I don't think, I don't think anyone knows Marvel. that, but I really want... Yeah. Miss Marvel and Lockjaw, they're adorable together. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, are they in the comics together? Is that where you're yeah. getting that from? Or you're just okay, gotcha. I didn't I didn't <laughs> I didn't I didn't I hadn't made it that far, I guess, in reading any of that. So I didn't know that. But uh that's cool. That's cool. Well, um, you know, I think uh it remains to be seen. Unfortunately, you know, we'll see if how the ratings do in the next movie, uh, you know, and see if that she has any buzz. But I think I think it's it's one of those ones where Disney and Marvel probably should look at themselves and see, like, you know what? Maybe even if the ratings weren't there, maybe yeah, they weren't as high as some of our other stuff. But this is an important series to make, um, and to get to know even more about these characters. And let's come up with a really cool villain next time, like, <laughs> like, like yeah. that we can really develop and be interesting. I don't know what her villain set is in the comics, but uh i have to believe that you know there's somebody a little bit more interesting than the ones we got so uh so if she does come back i would like to see better villains so um all right so that i think will conclude our look at miss marvel season one but hopefully there will be more to come thank you guys for joining us so much thanks for having me yeah enjoyed it Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment with our second part, and we are going to be looking at Strange New Worlds. This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. We've had a busy past few weeks at the movie theater with Thor Love and Thunder still topping the box office, although not performing quite as strongly as some might have expected. I think that can be due to the more mixed word of mouth I've been hearing about the movie. But it's, again, one, if you haven't had a chance to see it and you're a Marvel fan, go ahead and go see it because there's some fun stuff to be had. But... Not necessarily one of my favorite Marvel movies that I've ever seen. Something completely different coming out in theaters this weekend is Jordan Peele's new sci-fi horror thriller, Nope. I am really intrigued by this movie. I know I've talked about in my blurbs previously that I'm not the biggest fan of horror as a genre just because I get scared pretty easily. But I'm intrigued by Jordan Peele as a storyteller. I think he crafts a really fascinating narrative. I loved Get Out. And thanks to that movie, I've actually been more open to trying horror as a genre or movies that are labeled as horror. So I'm actually curious about Nope. I am fascinated because I saw a trailer recently that gave away a lot more of the story and the plot. And I don't really want to get into it here because I feel like movies a lot of times are best discovered the less you know about it going in. I'm really surprised that this second trailer gave away a lot more of what we're going to be seeing in this film. 
So if you like to go in without knowing what's going to happen, definitely don't watch any more trailers for this, but it looks like it's another intriguing, thought-provoking movie. That's it for this week. We've had a lot of stuff wrap up over on streaming Ms. Marvel is done. I'm very sad. That was a wonderful series. Umbrella Academy Season 3. I'm still trying to get caught up with that in Stranger Things. So even if you don't have a chance to make it to the theaters this weekend, there is still plenty on streaming services to keep you occupied with lots more to come this summer. Hey, Martha. What? Do you like nerd stuff? I do. And do you like adult beverages? I super do. (laughs) Well, then you should join us with a drink. With a drink. With a drink. On But first, let's talk nerdy. Clink. (laughs) On the ESO Network. We'll see you on Tuesday. Maybe next Tuesday. Maybe. Hi. Sorry to interrupt. your captain our mission to chart the stars push the boundaries of what is known and what is possible i'm standing on the surface of a comet i love this job these people this crew I believe we can do anything. You want to seek out new life? Go where the aliens are. Your presence is blasphemy. Let's talk about this. Find some comfort. I think that went well. Perhaps we should kiss. That seems logical. Maybe we don't touch anything else. Just a suggestion. The whole future hangs in the balance. No one can know the future. One can only follow one's instincts. You're the best of Starfleet. Our ability to work together, that's our greatest strength. Let's show them what you got. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it's time for part two of our features tonight, and we are looking at strange new worlds. Mr. Mike, are we boldly going where no one has gone before? Actually, we're going where Star Trek has been before, uh, and we're going there, yes, again. And we're going there with uh, with some people who've been on the show before. You know them pretty well. They're from the Earth Station Trek podcast. We've got Keith and Alan joining us. Guys, welcome back to the station. Thank you so much for having Thank us. You. Thank you for being Absolutely. reborn today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or <laughs> just kind of walking, or just walking over across the station hall or something. I don't, yeah, I exactly. don't know how that works. But <laughs> um, all right, so we've got us a, a little limited amount of time to cover a ten-episode season. So uh, just real quick, I want to know what you guys are, have thought about the series. Were your expectations uh, going in? to the series and then overall what your thoughts were after the season finale so uh keith we'll start with you what what were you expecting from this show 
I have said enough times I don't like the Abrams verse movies. And we see a lot of Abrams, and of course Alex Kurtzman is, a, is a, kind of the keeper of Star Trek. We see a lot of those influences in the new Trek series. And while I have light shows like Discovery Picard, I was a little concerned that this one was going to be much more like the Abrams movies. And while I wasn't thinking that, okay, it's going to make it horrible because I actually like the movies, I was expecting a little bit more of that kind of over-the-top flair for the series, and I didn't have that. It feels much more like original Star Trek in a lot of ways. So I was surprised and impressed. Yeah, there's a lot of touches here where they do some things like, you know, busting some cannon, and we'll talk about later with things like the Gorn and so forth. But it's really been a solidly done series. And even the changes where I look at that and go, oh, I should hate this, and this character is different and so forth. Overall, I have enjoyed the series uh, quite a bit, more, much more than I thought I would, actually. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very nice. Um, and we will be going into, I mean, this is a spoiler uh, mm. zone, so feel free to be comfortable. It's a safe space for spoilers. Uh, <laughs> okay. so, Highway so, to the spoiler zone. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so feel free to uh, talk about whatever you want as far as the series goes. Uh, and just just to throw it out there, the characters that uh, were introduced or the, the main characters that were, I guess, reintroduced in Discovery, yeah. you had seen them introduced that way. So you were prepared for this version of them. Is yeah. That, is that correct? Yeah. I was, <laughs> some of it I liked, some of it I didn't. You know, like, I, like the whole thing about Burnham being a Spock's sister and Sarek's daughter. And, you know, some of the stuff from Discovery, people remember with the Telosians. And there was a lot of but as stuff. Far as, yeah, but as far as these three characters, like the three main yeah. characters, right? Right. Yeah, I'd seen them there. And I liked, I think like most people, when Pike came onto the scene, I thought, wow, that guy's got a presence on him. And it was yeah. cool to see, you know, number one, um, Spock was interesting too. So yeah, I had watched them in Discovery, and I was curious to see how they would handle them in Strange New Worlds. And uh, they have not really disappointed me. I, I've enjoyed it. Good. Good. Uh, Alan, what about you? What were your expectations going in, uh, especially after already being introduced to these ver- this version of these characters? My expectations were very high. I got to tell okay. you. Um, and it was based partly on having those three characters in Discovery and particularly Pike, loving him so much. And then you come around to cast announcements for the new show. And I thought every one of them sounded like, Okay, I, I like, you know, that's all sounds like it's going to be good casting. When it came up to, um, I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was one of the big press events right before the series debuted. And the whole cast was there and they're all like dressed up in their formal wear, you know, and they all have a very distinct, like you could see their personality in the way that they're dressed. You know, Celia had this like, flowing red robe and she looked very regal and and important and then you have um melissa navia who plays um ortegas and she's in sort of like this spiky punk kind of get up and i'm like so from that moment i was like i am a hundred percent in love with this whole cast i was so behind it and so when the first episode came around i was like i'm ready to see these people in action, I, I, my my expectations could not have been higher. But the 
I mean, this whole series, there were again a couple of negatives, but for the most part, this whole series has really knocked it out of the park. I mean, absolutely met every expectation that I had. All of my hopes and dreams have come true. <laughs> wow. I know. Wow. Right? <laughs> Goodness gracious. Right. I don't know, Mike. How, I, Mike, can you top that? No, not at all. Good night, folks. <laughs> no, the, it, it was, it's amazing because I was, Discovery was fun the first season, but it wasn't great. And there was almost something missing from it. And I was waiting for the cast to gel and everything like that. And then when they had in the final scene of the first season and you saw the Enterprise and they announced that Captain Pike was the captain, I was just like, what? You know, like, you know, and (laughs) it was awesome because Anson Mount brought a life to that show. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. That, you know, the show needed. I think he saved that show in a lot of ways. And his version of Pike was perfect. And I had read, you know, everyone who's a Star Trek fan has pretty much seen The Cage or The Menagerie. And to see, you know, that. And then, you know, reading books and everything. I I always wanted to learn more about Pike. And when they made the announcement that he was going to become a regular on the second season of discovery. I was excited about it. And then for when they announced that they were spinning him off into a, a series with on the enterprise, I was just like, Oh, how are they going to do this? Is it going to be, you know, with number one and, you know, Spock and, you know, all the other characters that they introduced in the cage and you got most of it, you got, and you had some other surprises and mm-hmm. I, I want to see Anson Mount pay, play Pike for the next 10 years. I That's how much I like him as a character and as a captain. Oh. You know, and he he's probably up there with the tops now, you know, and I and I appreciate it and everything. So it's pretty awesome to see. When you when you talk about Disco season one missing something. Um, uh, our other two co-hosts on Earth Station Trek are uh, Charles and Veronica. Uh, so when the first episode of season two happened, Charles said that he told Veronica, hey, look at that. They have a Star Trek character on this show now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Yeah, and I think I had... I personally had also fallen out of Trek because of uh, just a lot of things, really. Um, so uh, the, I was watching Picard uh, when it was on uh, Paramount Plus just because I love seeing Patrick play that character. I don't know if I was excited. I wasn't excited about the uh, the universe that they created around him. Um, and I had a lot of issues with the story in season one and two. Uh, but, um, yeah, discovery didn't do it for me and I was skeptical, but I'd heard so many people talk about Anson Mount as Captain Pike. And, and so I'm like, all right. And, and then there was also the press release that they were going to try to bring back the, the format, the same format, similar, or mostly the same format as the original series. And I was like, all right, uh, they're going to be more about discovery, than discovery really um but uh anyway 
it's going to be it's going to be like more retro Star Trek in a lot of ways. And and I'm not a big fan of prequels. I mean, I've seen a lot of them, but uh, you know, the thing about prequels is I'm always you know, I like to enjoy the story, but it's hard to do with a prequel because somebody will say something or do something. And I'll be like, my brain will be like, wait, is that, wait, can that happen? Like, is that supposed, like, wait, later on, does that, right. like, I'm, it's always bumping up against canon and yeah. continuity or whatever. And it just takes me out of the story. And I just want to sit and enjoy the story. I would much rather Star Trek move forward instead of continually telling stories uh, that are backward. But but anyway, that's that's regardless. So, so I was skeptical, but optimistic to try out Strange New Worlds. And the first episode, uh, well, the first fifteen minutes of the first episode, I was like, I mean, as much as I like Anson Mount and everything, I was like, wow, they're really like like pulling in a lot of tropes from past Star Trek things in these first ten minutes or so, just to try to make us like more comfortable like trek fans more comfortable with this um but then when they got into the story about the the world that they were uh, looking at and then the whole message about like you know i mean it was just this like blatant in your face message like if you don't act, if you don't straighten your ways to this group of people you're going to end up like this and then they show like actual footage from what's yes. going on now in our world right. and i was like I'm like, holy crap, like Star Trek is doing this. It's putting it's giving us this message in our face. And I don't I don't think I've seen this since like, you know, since the original series, really. Um, And I and I was I was sold Um, the rest of the series. You know, I have I have good things to say about it and bad things, but or it's criticisms of it. But overall, this is my favorite Star Trek series since D-Space Nine ended. Wow. Um, well, you can't top D-Space Nine. Wow. Well, yeah. that's true. It is hard to <laughs> top them. But right. the original series and Next Generation come damn close. Yeah, like, they do. Me, they right? do. Like, that, so, um, but uh, anyway, let's get into, like, you know, it was, it was 10 episodes. So, uh, Keith, I'm going to start with you. What was something, either a character arc or an episode in particular, or seen something about this series that really clicked with you, like, that was the highlight of the first season of Strange New Worlds for you? You know, it's so funny. We were just talking about this in our show, and it's weird. As you just mentioned, Mike, with the first episode and how it, it kind of captured you, and you were saying that it, they were trying really hard to feel like original track but they felt like original Trek in a lot of ways, right? Um, that first episode of Strange New Worlds, um, it's maybe a little bit of an obvious answer, but kind of based on what you said as well, it's that scene when that late, when the late, the, the president is basically doing all this, I have the power and I can do what I want. And then I calls the enterprise down into the atmosphere. And he's like, basically, and he's so, the thing is he has such a cool personality. He's just really kind of subtle with it. Right. It's basically look up. Now you want to talk about some power. And I just love that scene with the enterprise floating in the sky. You know, Star Trek has always been about the prime directive, but the joke is basically what captains really follow the prime directive, not, uh, you know, cause they, they tend to break it. So the joke is, how does a captain manage to get around the prime directive kind of sort of while claiming that they kind of they still followed it? And so I love the way he was like, you know, OK, we'll pull the ship down. 
And I'm not overtly threatening them, but I'm just showing them something here. And then to you, what you said, then he starts talking about, and he gets their attention with that ship. Like, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. Let me show you what's out there. And then he shows them, be careful with these weapons, be careful with these powers. Um, not just our ship here, but our history. We're telling you, listen to me, lady, listen to me. You know, we're not just trying to tell you this because we're arrogant and we're trying to hold you down. We're telling you to be careful or you're going to make some mistakes. I love that scene because that is, that is a track scene. Um, and that stayed with me. Also, it's visually a beautiful scene with the Enterprise hanging in the atmosphere, but it's also kind of an emotional scene and it is a track scene. So I love that scene. It's, I agree with that. I agree with that completely, Keith. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's, it is sort of Pike, you know, I'm, I'm looking at like, you know, scenes from the original series where Kirk uh-huh. is kind of like, you know, telling some society like, yeah, don't do this or whatever. But, right. you know, and, but the way that, and Anson Mount is so beautiful at Pike like this, where he's, he's not like really like rebuking them so much as he's saying mm-hmm. like, like, if you just put all that stuff aside, look at right. what you can accomplish. Like it was more of a, a message of hope than that. Yeah. And I, that's what sold, that's what won me over. Cause mm-hmm. we need now more than ever. I think we need shows about hope and we're not getting a lot of them. Um, not true. at all. And, and this is a, you know, a great time for, for a Star Trek show like this to come back, to come uh, and, and reintroduce us to that hope again. Um, Alan, what's about, what about you? What's something that uh, you uh, appreciated about the series or one of a highlight for you? Okay. I'm going to, my answer is going to be a little bit different than the one that I gave on our show when we were doing our Ooh, season exclusive. wrap up. It, this is an exclusive. <laughs> and now that I think about it a little bit more, now that the, the series has been off for a little while longer, I think what I'm going to say is watching Uhura as a cadet and watching her journey through this first season of going through like her first away mission, you know, the first time that she's given a task, she has to go through assignments in different departments to learn, you know, how the whole ship works. So she goes, uh, she does an episode where she's in security training and she does an episode where she's with him or in engineering and she's learning all the different departments. And I think that seeing her journey really sums up a lot of what Star Trek is about, especially since she is at this point in her life, a character that isn't sure what she wants to do with her future. She's in Star Trek or she's in Starfleet and she did that for a reason. It had something to do with her parents. Um, You know, watch the show to find out more about that. But for herself, she doesn't know if this is what she wants And it's her going through this path and I'm assuming will eventually come to a point. And I think it has something to do with knowing him or I think it's going to, I think once she comes to that point of this is what I want to do, this is where I'm going to commit my, my life and my talent. um, It's going to have to do with the influence that him or had on her in this first season and his spoiler alert death in at toward the end of the season, I think is going to have, a big impact on her. And I think we're going to find that that's going to be the thing that really sort of galvanizes her, you know, sort of like crystallizes in her own mind, what it is that she wants, like what her direction in life is going to be. So I think that watching her journey, even though I've loved every character on the show, I think watching her journey and going through that sort of 
cadet training has been so fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's her, her journey and the performance uh, yeah. has been a highlight for me yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, she's been, I think, I think actually the entire cast is excellent. Yeah. Um, there's some people that I think I'm uh, not pleased with the fact that they are playing certain characters, but I don't dislike the actors themselves. You know what I mean? I need to hear more about that. Yeah. Yeah, you will. <laughs> Come on. Uh, let's okay. hear, let's hear uh, you dish. Come on. We're, 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 we're talking about positive things now. So okay. Mike, what's something, what's some, what's a highlight for you from the season uh, in particular? Um, the positiveness from the series, the not, it, you know, you had a lot of discovery where it was very dark. It was very, you know, manipulative of the characters. You didn't know where some of them stood and everything like that, especially the first season. And then when you got into the second and third seasons and fourth seasons of it, it the, you started establishing, you know, who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? You know, or you know, is the captain going to go off and you know do her own thing again? You know, type thing. But in this series, you have a captain who is pure Starfleet. He respects his crew. He respects hearing other people's opinions, and that's one of the things. And seeing you know, spot a younger Spock. And this is still, you know, pre-Kirk. And it's interesting to see his, you know, evolution and everything. And with his fiance, and, you know, then the, the feelings he has for Nurse Chapel. And it's just, it's just really interesting to see all this coming through. And I like how you get to know the characters. You really care for these characters. And I think that's part of the fun of it. And I'm really liking where it goes. And, you know, I was sad to see some of the characters die off or some of the characters going off to do their own, their own thing. And it was interesting. And it actually made the Gorn really scary again, which is pretty awesome and everything. So, don't, it's pretty cool. Don't be don't be hitting Keith's Gorn button now. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I just want to say really quick. Uh, sorry, jumping back to again to the thing you said earlier about uh, Disco Season One. Uh, when I was first watching it, I was excited that there was new Star Trek, and but I, I had a hard time finding the like familiar Trekness in it. And it wasn't until Pike came in Season Two that I thought, okay, it now feels like Star Trek. With Strange New Worlds, immediately it felt like Star Trek. It was oh, from so, the very first episode. So yeah. identifiable. Yeah. Everything just sort of worked in that sort of Trek package exactly the way that you expect it to. So I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> no, no that's absolutely. That's what, yeah, that's what I was saying. They, they, the fa- that first episode, especially the first act of the first episode, is really heavy as far as like using Star Trek tropes and revitalizing scenes and all that kind of stuff and it's i think yeah it's obviously done on purpose like to make you feel like make you know people who have left star trek or whatever you want to call them like come back and go like oh this is a show i recognize um uh for me i'll piggyback on on something you said mike because uh yeah um uh to use another uh, Star Trekism, I like the fact that Strange New Worlds gives us the best of both worlds. They give us a <laughs> episodic show, 
yep. that like, you know, adventure, 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 one episode after another is different worlds, different planets, different situations, different tones. Some are funny, some are, you know, intense action. Other, you know, it, they, they do really great range throughout the 10 episodes. Um, but through it all, as Alan pointed out, you get to learn about the characters and you follow them and they grow as the series goes. So it's not just like, you know, it, it does matter what order you watch them in because the characters are experiencing different things. So I think it gives us the best of like both of those things where it's like, yeah, in today's market, like in today's viewing habits, like people don't want to see just characters not change from episode to episode or from like a whole season, to whole season, um, in fact, you know, a lot of us project, uh, character arcs for the original series, even though there's none, <laughs> right. <know>? like <laughs> there's none that are written in. And yet so much has been projected about like how things have changed and all that kind of stuff, uh, in between the lines. So I like that. I, I do like that a lot. Um, and it, it, it does give us like, like I said, I like the characters so much, uh, the actors that are playing them anyway. Um, to an extent, and like I said, I do have that asterisk um, because there's that continuity like wall that I hit sometimes gets hit mm. really hard in this show mm. sometimes, mm. and to the point where I'm like, I, I'm just I can't function a little bit. I'm like I have to get around it, and it, it's not. I don't think it's necessary uh, as much as they think it's necessary, maybe, or they they play on it. Um, because if this was if this was Star Trek Strange New Worlds and it took place on the Enterprise F after Picard, right? And these were whole new characters without any baggage, right? Without yeah. any sort of limits to what they will become or what they will do or whatever. I would love this show. I would be all in, I think. Whereas the things that I I don't like are things about like that are that either they're they're changing or they're doing things with that. I just, I'm not a big fan of. So, so on that note, all right, I'm going to get, leave it up to you. And something else about the series that either resonated with you or maybe flip that around that didn't resonate with you. It's your choice, whether you want to be positive or negative here, <laughs> uh, Alan, Alan, I'm going to start with you. What's oh. something else about the, the show that, uh, Either like you want to point out as far as uh, either an issue or a non or something that you love. The set design is phenomenal. I'm just going to say that. Um, oh, yeah, I don't. I you know I just don't really have many negatives. I, I think I can. I think I can list my negatives right now. Um, I wasn't as sold on um, Doctor Mabenga. I, I just haven't connected with him yet. Um, I have trouble, and this goes all the way back to Discovery Season 2. I have trouble with Ethan Peck's delivery sometimes. I just find his speech patterns to be weird. And sometimes when he trails off at the end of a sentence, I don't know what the heck he's just said. Um, he's but, so like it. Is his grandfather, right? Yeah, yeah. Gregory Peck? Yeah. yeah he, he really reminds me uh, like a lot of times of his dad. And, and sometimes that's not a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I love his Spock. You know, I love what he's doing with it. I love the direction that the writers are taking it in. Um, I had I had one other negative, but I don't remember what it is. Um, but, <laughs> but otherwise, I mean, I, I just enjoy the series, and I, you know, I do. I'm interested to see how they're going to resolve 
the Gorn as they're presenting them with what we know of them in the original series. But I'm, I don't find that to be a barrier, you know? I find that to be an opportunity for them to tell me a new story that I wasn't expecting. So I just don't... I, I mean, okay, I'm going to say it's not a perfect series. The only perfect Star Trek series is Lower Decks. There, I said it. <laughs> wow. But this, is a, wow. but this is a super close second. As far as the modern shows go, this is a super close second to an almost perfect series. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. Oh, the, awesome. other, oh, the other negative was in the episode um, about the alien child who was put into the machine... Uh, I don't feel like that was resolved very well. No. Like Mm -mm. it, it took the entire episode to tell the story of this little boy and the role that he's playing in this thing. And when it comes down to the actual resolution of the episode, it's like they have plugged him into the machine and Pike freaks out. And it's like, you can't do that. Why are you doing this? And they're like, we don't know. This is the way it's always been. We've tried to find a solution, but the machine won't work unless it's plugged into a child's brain. And they've been doing this for, what, 10,000 years or some nonsense like that. I, I loved that episode, but I just don't think that resolution was very well thought out. Like, like it was yeah, one I, of those typical Next Generation episodes where they tell a phenomenal story, but then wrap it up in 30 seconds because the story is the point. The ending doesn't matter. The ending is just mm. because they've they've had 45 minutes and they have to go to credits. And mm. that's kind of what this felt like, too. So I guess it has a nice tradition to it. But I just didn't feel like even to have like Kirk's or uh, <laughs> that was stupid, even to have Pike say, you know, let us help you figure out how this machine can operate differently. What is it that the machine does for your planet? What is it that the child you know, what role does a child serve in the in the computer's programming? Let's see if we can figure this out with you. Let's try to be, you know. And I just I just felt like it it dropped too quickly. Other than that, love the season. I uh I just want to <laughs> piggyback on that a little bit because I love that episode and I think it resonated even more with me and probably a lot of other people because of the uh shooting that happened around that time. And the fact that we once again are going through the same thing and people are, and, and so I don't, I don't know if it was done on purpose. I have to believe it was a coincidence, but I mean, cause you know, it's not like shootings are new. So I'm sure that maybe something else inspired that episode, Mm. but as far as like a bunch Mm. of people who were doing something just because that's what they did. I'm like, that speaks to what the hell's going on right now. And the way it ended, I thought was very powerful okay. and unfortunate because, you know, like that's an ending that original series wouldn't have done. Kirk would have found a way to free that kid. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yes. they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have let that happen. And I'm not saying that Kirk's a better captain. Right. Of course they kind of hint that at the finale, but scenario that's an episode that they're, they are taking chances and telling stories that the original series wouldn't do. And yeah. I do like, I do appreciate that as well. So, or at least ending them in ways that, yeah, or not. Not everything's resolved. I like that. I agree uh, with that. I agree with that totally. Yeah, uh, Keith. What about you? What's something that, and it can be a critique, or it can be something else that's really positive about the show that you took away from the first season? Um, I think this will be a mild negative, but um, I 
And I'm not that guy who, like you mentioned this earlier, Mike uh, Gordon, uh, I'm not that guy who feels you 100% have to adhere to, to canon. Because there's so many reasons, right? I mean, this show is for five decades past the original series. And as everybody says, nobody but nobody who created the original series thought that 50 years later, people will be dissecting those shows and saying, well, this doesn't make sense. And why did the Klingons look like this? And so that is so true. (laughs) Yeah. It just, nobody thought that. Um, I do struggle, but I'm not a, I'm not a purist, but I do sometimes struggle with what almost seems feels like almost fanboyish um, pulling in of other elements. I love the series enterprise. And one of the things I don't love the fourth season of Enterprise as much as everybody else, even though I think it's the best produced, no doubt. But it has so many callbacks, which is why fans love it. Yep. But I love stuff that even when it didn't work like the Zindi War and stuff, because they were doing new stuff that I'd never seen before. Right. So I'm very cautiously a little bit concerned about things like I love to bring the actress who plays her, but Spock and Tupring so much. It's like a little bit of I don't need too much of that. Although the Gorn are cool, I don't want to pull so much into something that was in Kirk's time. And for shows like this, I want them to chart their own path. I don't need every Star Trek that comes before Kirk or even right after Kirk to have to deal with the Gorn or to have to deal with the Talosians or to have to deal with the Ferengi or to have to deal with the Organians. And sometimes they pull stuff from the original series because like Akiva Goldsman just loves the Gorn and he had to pull him in there. I get a little nervous about that, but I'm just going to have to deal with it. Um, so I get a little concerned about the callbacks. Like I said earlier, Spock and, and uh, Michael Burnham being siblings to me never made sense. Uh, I think I thought there was another way they could have brought Spock in. So I just don't want him to go too far with that. Uh, so that's the only little thing that I'm a little bit concerned about. And, and the oh, and the biggest thing is I don't think anybody named Kirk needs to be on the show. Until- <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to get to that. Yeah, yeah I got to yeah, say well, that. I just got to say we, that. Yeah, well, that's something I think, yeah, we, we, we'll get to that, too. We'll get to that, <laughs> yeah. too. Um, but to your point, uh, I agree with you to an extent uh, because I love the Gorn. I love the Gorn as a mm-hmm. concept. I love those episodes in the original series uh, that they're featured in everything like that. However, it's interesting that they're here, but it's like, you know, you're banging up against canon. You're banging up against continuity and you right. don't need to. And and right. it's two pronged because you've got an amazing character, Leon Nunyan Singh, right? She's an yeah. amazing character. The actress is doing a hell of a job. Christina yeah. Chong, I love her. But A, there's no reason that she needs to be in Nunyan Singh. There's no need yeah. to, that you need to tie her in with Khan. Agreed, and there's agreed. no need it has to be the Gorn. There's plenty of other races it could be. Yep. So you're doing it unnecessarily. And that yeah. that I understand that that bugs me too. Yeah, it's I like I want to. I can enjoy this a lot more if you just would change the names of these things, right? <laughs> like you don't, like, right. you don't like, you don't have to like do that all the time, like you yeah. know. Well, so even, I, I get it. I get even it to well. the point of they have like some you know extraneous crew members, like the transporter guy and the helms lady or whatever, and you know they have names like Kyle and Mitchell, which yep. are yep. clear <laughs> POS references, but they're clearly yeah. not the same characters. And they're not intended right. to be the same characters. And it's like, just call them Smith 
or yeah. or whatever. I mean, I like yeah. both of those characters <laughs> an awful lot. They don't have to be Kyle and Mitchell. They could be, you know, Smith and Jones. Anybody. It's right. Anybody. Right. right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, and you know, and like save stuff for the, don't, don't take everything from the like original series. Like right. save some yeah. stuff for that, you know? Right. But exactly. uh, Mike, what about you? What's something else that either resonated with you or didn't resonate with you? Well, I did like with Pike, you know, he knows his future. He knows what's coming. And you had that haunting him all season. And it was, that was interesting for me. And I would, I'm very curious to see, you know, I liked the whole story with the, t- the final, with the time, the time stone. And, you know, that he was able to, you know, see what a possible future could be if he avoids the, you know, the, I guess it was an explosion and it was, or the meltdown, I think it was just interesting to see what happened and to see him in the Wrath of Khan uniform. That was just awesome for his future. Very cool. Yeah, and that was very cool. Monks the Maroon, is that what they call them? Yep. And <laughs> it was, it was neat to see that. And I like you know, the morals of a lot of the stories and I don't have many negatives with it because I like, like we had mentioned, I like seeing Ahura's evolution. I like seeing an early version of nurse chapel. I like seeing, you know, you know, the, I liked seeing the different bridge crew and new, new people. And I agree completely. I think my biggest Bitch and moan is about Khan. You don't need to have a tie into Khan with the character and everything. And yeah. I did. I think that's the one. You know, it's like we have enough tying in with other things. We don't need to to do this and or callbacks like, oh, I know where this one's going, or right. you know, stuff like that. You know, I almost guarantee, you know, what are they going to do next? Bring back Rain Wilson as Mud, you know, or... They could. They could. They yeah. could. I they would could. be okay with that, actually. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think we know that Klingons are coming next season, so I fully expect Laurel to show up, and I'm ready for that. I'm excited to see more of her. Yes. I I think I have that's... no idea who that is, but that's okay. You have to watch Discovery. <laughs> Gotta watch Disco, man. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> um... All right, so uh, I uh, loved a lot of the episodes. I think almost all of them were very solid, um, very consistent. Uh, the finale was amazing. What a great, uh, you know, right away, the way that they played into Balance of Terror, which is one of my favorite orig- uh, original series episodes. Classic. Um, the way they played around with it. I immediately rewatched Balance of Terror afterwards, and it's just so fun, the, the callbacks that they did and everything. And, you know, that was that was great. The, uh, the two things about that series though, well, there's a couple things it, it, that represented like the best of this series, maybe. And the worst of this series, because, mm-hmm. um, uh, it did a really good job. I think playing around with, it felt like one of those, remember when Star Trek had that anniversary and they did like a Voyager episode with, uh, with the Sulu and the Excelsior. Yep. And then yes. Space Nine went back to tri- uh, Trials and Tribulations. Yeah. This yeah. felt like that's this had that energy <laughs> and that feel to it. That's um, a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. 
Um, I, uh, I, I like that, that, that atmosphere. Um, but it, I was surprised because the way it ends, it does kind of, it does kind of hint that like, yeah, Pike's good, but he, like if he, he's doing his thing, he causes a big war. Uh, Kirk, as we know, yeah. uh, in the original series got the job done. So right. is that, you know, in certain scenarios, Pike's way works and it doesn't work. And, and and it's probably true for Kirk as well, but we don't get to see Kirk fail ever really. So we don't have that. Um, and I, I'm like you, I hope we don't, uh, like, <laughs> I hope we don't get the opportunity because the things I don't like and, uh, about the episode and I didn't like about this whole series. Well, I do have a problem. We'll say, uh, with Star Trek's, um, dependence on the character and centering the character of Spock throughout its history. Um, I love the character of Spock. Uh, he's one of my favorite characters. One of, and I love his portrayal by Leonard Nimoy, but almost every live action series we've had has had some sort of Spock uh, crutch to <laughs> lean on. Um, and uh, you know, at the end of quality and mercy, they finally actually tell you, Hey, Spock is the most important person in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> right. Like, yes, I know. He's the only Star Trek uh, uh, crew member to have a movie, his name in a movie title, Search for Spock. Uh, he dies, he comes back, he's in, the, in another movie, the one that's directed by not Leonard Nimoy, they introduce his brother. We get his brother yeah. in this, we get his sister, and like, it's like this, Yeah, it's almost like paramount cbs the powers that be whoever are like we you can give us a star trek show but it has nobody's going to know it's star trek unless there's some sort of tie-in with spock right and that's <laughs> that's bs i don't i've never believed that i like spock but you know abrams gave us two spocks i mean it was just it gets crazy like nobody else <laughs> nobody no other character gets as much attention and as much love as spock does and i think it hurts this show because they spent a lot of time with Spock. I don't like Ethan Peck's depiction of Spock. I don't like the way Spock is written. I don't like seeing Spock sex every other week. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just think that, you know, if they devoted, it wouldn't be so bad if, like, uh, the characters got time too. But I feel like I don't know Una at all. Yeah, yeah. I, we've, you know, we've talked about that before. The, yeah, she disappears from the show at yeah. the end. She like has to leave. She gets taken away, and I'm like, should I care? I know. Like, I I like Rebecca Romaine. She does. I know she's she can act. I've seen her in other things. She's very solid, but I feel like I don't know her at all. So yeah. if they had just taken half the stuff they gave Spock in this and given it to her as well as some of the other characters, yeah. like Ortegas or yep. something, I would have. I, you know, it's too Spock heavy. It, and and when the guy who's playing Spock is not winning me over, then it really is suffers. Yeah. So it, going forward, I, I would hope that they would change that tremendously. Good point. So wow. Uh, so that, that's that's my that's my it's a yeah it's a big thing. It's you know it now get off his lawn, kids. <laughs> the fact that the fact that it hasn't ruined the whole show for me says a lot about the rest of the quality of this show Agreed, Mike. because mm. it is a big chunk of this show. And yet I still love this series. Mm. I still watch it as soon as it is available. Like I, I just, I love it so much. Um, but yeah, they, whew, 
man, they just need to get over it. Like, and you know, Christine Chapel, it's great. Jess Bliss is great, but her, all her character does is rotate around Spark. Like that's it. That's all she brings to the table. It's like, let's, let's not do that. Especially since we know that Chapel's history in the original series is a little different than the way it's playing out here. So I, I don't, um, you know, I just feel like they need to get off the Spock bandwagon for a little while. Um, but, you know, that's not going to happen because it's Star Trek and Spock's supposed to be on board. So next season, <laughs> we're going to get some more Spock, I'm sure. Uh, and more Spock sex. Jeez. I'm like, what the? Like, I don't, whatever. Anyway. I, I would say, Mike, I, I was saying it was, um, it was a little weird to see Vulcans just straight up kissing that much. <laughs> It was just, yeah. we're, always, we're always used to the hand, you know, the little touching, things like that. I like the mystery of it, you know, like, yeah. we don't know what they do, so let it be. <laughs> Instead, we see them, like, in bed, you know, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that, that, oh, that, you even that, got you to know. see him change minds. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was, a, you know, whatever. It's it, That was a fun episode. All right, it was. so <laughs> we've talked about the good and the bad real quick now. Real quick, because we, we're running out of time, but I want to get something from each one of you. Alan, we'll start with you. What do you want to see the show go in second season? Okay. <clears throat> I want Klingons, because I want to okay. see what, the, what they want. You know, we saw them in disco, and I want to see where they're going now, and I do want to see Laurel come back. The thing about season two that I got most excited about from season one was the big Cybok reveal at the end of whatever episode that was. I am so excited to see what they might do with Cybok next year. Um, and I know there's something else, but that's all I can think of. <laughs> okay. 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 Oh, and I do want to see more of the other characters. I do want to see more yes. about Ortegas. And, and I do want to see how um, they connect the dots with Chapel, how she gets from here to where we know of her in TOS. But they've got however right. many seasons to do that True. in. I don't need that right away. So, True. yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, good. Uh, Keith? I would like to see more original stories that don't. Well, I mean, I'm, I would agree with Alan. I am an absolute Klingon fan. I do not like the Discovery Klingons, but I like Klingons. So I would definitely like to see the Klingons, but I would like to see them do one of the things that Enterprise did with things like the Zindi War, which a lot of people yeah, dislike. Yeah, yeah. But go ahead and, and, and give us more new aliens. I don't need to see Vulcans and Klingons and right. Romulans and Gorn and stuff like that. I want to I wanna have creatures that I never thought of, that I want to have races that we never imagined before. I want to see Pike negotiate treaties and deal with people who nobody else has ever seen before. As much as I love Enterprise, for example, there was an episode where they actually pulled in the Ferengi, and that just made no sense. And there was an episode yeah, where they yeah. actually... Yeah, they, they brought they in, pulled the in the Borg. And the Borg and the Organians in Enterprise. <laughs> none of which right. was needed. So what I want to see is I want to see them truly going where no one has gone before. I'd like to see a lot more. I want to see them do one thing that Enterprise did, which I love. One of the things about Enterprise was Archer started pulling together what became the Federation as he worked with um, the Tellarites and the Andorians and the Vulcans. And I'd like to see Archer do something like that. Have a whole race we've never heard of before that becomes much more central to it. Um, the other thing I like, and I think Echo what everyone says here, I was um, extremely doubtful about bringing in Uhura and Chapel and even Mavinga. Although I'm always happy to see a brother on the show. And 
Mabenga, I don't think was really utilized well. So I'd like to see more with him. The yeah. storyline with his daughter, I'm, it just, it was wrapped up too fast. And I think Alan had mentioned about Dr. Corby, Nurse Chapel's great love. Yeah, baby. Um, there's a great opportunity to give Christine an arc that does not center around Spock. Exactly because, right. Yes. Yeah, yep. because as we all know, well, we've got to not that she should center around another get guy character. That is a yeah, exactly. correct, Mike. That's I agree true. with yeah. that. But it's a but, way yeah. to move her away from the Spock thing. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah. So yeah, it's bad enough we get Spock sex on one side. We don't need it on the <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to see Uhura and and Chapel and Mabinga especially because they've been so central. I'd like to see them get some arcs that last longer and develop them more. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're all kind of open books, and, I, and I'm really looking forward to that. All right. Mike? Um, Klingons, definitely. Uh, I think <laughs> that's definitely the way to go. Yeah. Uh, for the big, I don't know, big bats or just more of a storyline. Let's leave the Gorn on the side for a while. I don't want to. We touched on that. There's so many other species or races that you know, are out there that we can explore. And I would love to see that, uh, for second season, I had mentioned Harry mud. I wouldn't mind seeing Harry mud come back. Yeah. I think it, it actually would almost make sense in some ways, mm-hmm. but then also, you know, the enterprise now does not have a chief engineer. And I wonder if it's time to, that they're going to introduce Scotty. Yeah. Because I didn't like what they did in the final episode with, you know, just the arm and the voice, you know. Yeah. But I definitely think they, I think it makes sense that, you know, he was on the, on the, you know, the Enterprise before Kirk came on and everything. So yeah, I think, I, I think I, that was going to be one of my things too, Mike. I think uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Scotty because he's a character uh, much like Uhura that I think we could explore more of uh, and get to know them a little bit more. And it makes perfect sense that they'd be on the Enterprise pre-Kirk. Uh, Actually, you know, most of the crew is probably left over from Pike's run uh, when Kirk gets the I, – I think he, the only one he brings over majorly is McCoy. Um, because yeah. it wasn't like a planned thing. I mean, Pike couldn't, couldn't function. So, so they had to bring him in, uh, bring in a new captain and he probably didn't have a lot of choice, but, um, but, um, I would like to, I would, I'm open. Let's put it that way. I'm open to seeing a Scotty come aboard a young Scotty, uh, a younger, whatever. Um, and, uh, I, I, I want, you know, I could even see him coming in. I'm sorry to interrupt Mike, but yeah. I'm coming in as like this you know, genius, like, oh, he's, you know, made it through the academy. He's been working on these couple ships, but, you know, we want to put him on the flagship. We want to put him on the Enterprise, you know, now there's a spot or something for it. And maybe he has the ego or something, or he's the laid back Scotty that we got already in the original series, you know, type thing, yeah. Mr. Scott. Not the one that we got in the uh No, not the no, not the Abrams. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the man uh, signed to Scotty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, sort of, yeah. Um, yeah. So in addition to that, um, I'm hoping, I, I'm guessing that uh, Una's going to come back. Yeah. And so I want to see that and I want to find out more about her. And I want to, I'd love to have an episode where she's in charge. Like for some reason, Pike's away or something like, and and really learn more about her. 
um, and her story because I, I want to care. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, I want them to keep giving us stories, you know, whatever they do, I want to keep giving us stories that resonate and are relevant and give us hope. Um, and as long as they keep doing that, then I'll continue to watch and I'll continue to love this show and, and, and deal with the Spock sex. All right. Well, sex. thanks for so much for taking the time to come over to this part of the station um, and, uh, and talk a little bit about strange new worlds. We really do appreciate it, guys. Uh, we're going to be right back and we're going to get creative. Winter is coming. Prepare with a fine cigar and listen to the Cigar Nerds Podcast. We smoke cigars and talk about movies and all kind of nerdy things. Available at CigarNerdPodcast.com. Also on the ESO Network at ESONetwork.com. Welcome back. Now it's time for the creative outlet. Now we're here with our friend Lance Roger Axe, all around cool dude and mega creative guy. Welcome to the show, sir. Anytime I now hear the word, we're going to be zooming. My mind goes back to when I was five years old watching PBS. We're going to zoom. zoom, I'm reminded of zoom, this old show called zoom. So anytime I hear the word, we're going to zoom. I want to start singing. We're going to zoom, 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 a zoom. Yep. Aren't we all going to be wearing our striped, our striped shirts and everything? Yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. Of course. <laughs> if anyone had the video, they would see that we are wearing our Zoom shirts. So it's okay. That's right. Perfect. That's sure. So how have you been, dude? It's been up and down the last couple of years. Been very much up and down the last couple of years. Um, starting with, well, really the death of Bill DeFries, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, calls me up one night. Uh, my old partner, for those of you who don't know, in, in Pocket Universe Productions and the director of the X-Files and the director of Lock and Key, and calls me up. He was three hours ahead of me. He calls me up at 8.30, and that's 11.30 his time, which seemed extremely odd because he always went to bed around 9 o'clock. He was a, one of the earliest early birds I knew. And he and I were together about three months earlier in Portland for some business meetings, and he was telling me he was having some trouble swallowing. But he promised he was going to go to a doctor and get it checked out. And this is about a week before Thanksgiving. He calls me up and I said, Bill, and he says it's cancer. And what he was diagnosed with was stage three cancer of the esophagus, which is one of the deadliest cancers that there is. And they managed to remove his esophagus and get the lymph nodes that it, but there was one that they weren't sure about. And it was later in the year that he told me there was a, uh, this is back in 2018, there was a 50% chance it was going to come back. And then uh, 2019, I just had some minor invasive surgery myself, nothing I want to talk about, but I'm home recuperating. And he's telling me that um, he's been having some lower back issues. And I'm thinking back to my neighbor who was having lower back issues and they found cancer in his abdomen and the exact same thing happened here bill really overdid it i think uh, traveling and trying to do as many things as possible with this 50 percent chance it was going to come back hanging over his head and 
Then he gives me a call and says he's been given six months without chemo, close to a year with. And around March, he tells me he's, he's decided to go off the chemo because the chemo was essentially killing him. And he says, you know, I've been given probably until May to get everything in order. And he was gone in two weeks. His, oh, doctors, wow. his doctors completely underestimated how fast that thing was going to spread. And uh, the, the worst part for his widow was that he died just as lockdown started. So no one could come over to console her. Everyone was, you know, stuck in their own houses in Maine. So, you know, that, that was that, um, you know, rough couple of months for wow. anybody and everybody who knew him. So totally makes sense, dude. Yeah. Totally but, uh, slowly but surely things have started to come back. Um, I'm ha- happy to announce, and I've recently made the announcement on Facebook that, uh, British producer, Jack Bowman is joining pocket universe productions, which is fantastic. We are going to be doing, uh, one of our first projects together, I'll talk about that in a second, but um, in addition to continuing Pocket Universe, finishing those projects that I started with Bill, I've now uh, become a burgeoning filmmaker. I got involved with the film studio and script studio here in Bellingham, Washington, and I wrote my first short script on a train from Bellingham to Everett, Washington. Did it... uh, Stream of consciousness in under, I think, 15 minutes. Wow. Took it into script studio, reworked it, took it back in a year later. It's it's uh, a perfect, perfect place it needs to be. It was submitted to uh, screenplay festivals around the country and it wound up winning a whole bunch of them. I'm talking you know, high marks, first place in about five of them, uh, official selections, including Austin, which is no mean feat, um, or I should say no small feat. And I just realized that at some point you have to start getting these films made. So that's what um, we're here to talk about now is uh, my uh, collaborators and I, and I have two fantastic collaborators. I actually have a number of great collaborators, but I'll just bring up uh, the two of them right now. Uh, who have been involved in this thing from the beginning, uh, Damon Winters, who is a, a producer and actor from Vancouver. who has been on TV shows like Psych and uh, other things that have filmed in the area. Uh, he is on board as producer and editor. And my consulting producer, Maggie Craig, was the super script supervisor on a show that you are probably familiar with called The Wheel of Time. Oh, so, yeah, yeah she, Wheel of Time, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Good Trouble, think she was involved with cloak and dagger i'm not entirely sure but the three of us have put together a uh, grassroots campaign it is on a crowdfunding platform that a, probably a lot of you out there in eso land probably have not heard of called seed and spark oh. and if you go to seed and spark.com i'm just seeing michael gordon shaking his head a little bit yeah i, I kind of heard of it yeah seed and spark is unique in that it's a crowdfunding platform that was created by independent filmmakers themselves. So they wanted to create a hub for filmmakers to come and uh, show off their wares, so to speak. So we have a crowdfunding campaign going on through uh, August 14th to get this film made. The film is called Plunge. It is a comedy with little sci-fi elements attached to it. And if you want the elevator pitch, it's about an African-American named Marshawn who is finally ready to jump back into the dating game. The only problem is he's got a narrator. And this goes off of the old trope of 
films that have narrators who have absolutely nothing to do with the action whatsoever. <laughs> and what happens if the narrator has been controlling the lead character's life for a lot longer than the lead character knows? So we have uh, our character of Marshawn. We have the narrator. We have Judy, the kickboxer, uh, kickboxer with serious attachment issues. We have... Um, his ex-girlfriend Belinda, we have his new potential girlfriend Krista, and a whole swarthy group of of uh, hangers-on and and speed daters uh, who are part of his rut that he's trying to get out of. And I'm extremely proud of this thing, and and we're looking to get it made. So that sounds go. awesome, dude. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I love it. It sounds like a great, great project. And, you. you know, I please keep us in the loop. I'm very interested in this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'll tell you, it's, um, we just started the, uh, the campaign a couple of days ago. And I don't know if you two have ever been part of a crowdfunding campaign, but you, yeah, yeah. Mike is shaking his head again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. It's, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. I'm doing uh, about five hours of work on it every single day, trying to get us, get people interested. You know, one of the things that has affected us is the fact that there are certain stigmas that seem to be attached to a short film. And one of those is the fact that, and this is what separates us. I think what separates us from a lot of other short films are being made right now is the fact that we are, going to pay everybody who's involved with the project uh, awesome. i'm yeah i'm in a position in my life I'm, i just turned 53 you know i don't want to do free work anymore why should i be asking other people to do free work as well so anybody mm-hmm. who's in the cast everybody who's in the crew everybody's going to get paid and you add that into the equipment rentals the catering costs the cost for uh getting permits it, it you know it, it adds on very quickly. So, you know, we're doing a grassroots campaign and um, making the uh, clarion call to everybody who's uh, listening right now. You know, small donations are the way to go. Um, Maggie likes to put it this way. If you would buy me a cup of coffee, why not put that $10 toward that cup of coffee toward what we're doing here? And then maybe someday down the road, I can buy you a cup of coffee in return. So, you know, there you have it. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It's really cool a lot of work that goes into these things. Yeah, Definitely. absolutely. And mm-hmm. you know what? ESO has full, you know, support for you. You know, we will oh, definitely do whatever we can to help you get across the finish line. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, like I said, it's a marathon, and uh, you know, I'm. We're the. I think the nice thing is, even though the numbers are small right now, we're just at the beginning stages. You know, it's uh, we'll. We'll see what happens come August 14th. But, uh, you know, there's there are lots of ways to get something made these days, thankfully. So there you have it. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So shall we talk about Shaman's Tears? Yeah, let's do that real quick. Cause... Yeah. Several years ago, um, Bill and then partner Elaine Lee, who you had on the show as well. Uh, yep. The three of us were introduced to Mike Gold from uh, First Comics and later DC. And Mike had a number of people that he wanted to introduce us to. One of those was Mike Grell. And everybody out there listening right now, Mike Grell, as in Green Arrow, as in the Warlord, as in uh, DC's uh, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, of course, John Sable Freelance, Tarzan, James oh, yeah. Bond. 
and amazing, he has, ar- amazing artist. A he's writer. an amazing artist. I'll tell you something else. He's a he's a really amazing guy and a really nice guy. A really nice guy. Jack and I were beyond impressed when we met him. Just a really nice, approachable person. And years ago, in 2006, Bill and I were at a uh, audio drama convention in the middle of the middle of nowhere, Missouri. And we had at that particular convention a number of actors and writers and musicians who were part of Native Voices of the Autry, which is for anybody out there who is into film, who is looking to cast actors who are Native American, this is the place you need to go. It is one of the only repositories for Native American talent that I know of anyway in Hollywood. And these were some of the coolest people I've ever worked with. And I just said to myself, one of these days, I'm going to find a project where I can work with them again on a much larger scale. Well, Shaman's Tears, I thought, would be the perfect project. We approached Mike. He loved the idea. We're doing this in association with uh, Native Voices at the Autry, who will be involved with uh, casting, with consultation, with helping to navigate the political landmines that come along with the different tribal nations being involved. Um, Extremely helpful. And the person who's now in charge of it, her name is Delana Studi, lovely lady who happens to like science fiction and and likes the idea of graphic novels. Uh, Her uncle, you may have heard of, is Wes Studi from Last of the Mohicans and Heat. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, with the proliferation i think of native american projects that are happening right now on television you know dark winds is a perfect example even better reservation dogs um we seem to be coming in at the right time and we united with the fantasy network which produces zombie orpheus and a number of other fantastic fantasy programs as video now they're getting into audio they're partly responsible i feel for the elf quest audio drama that's happening right now Oh, yeah. So yeah, they're they're uh, they were responsible for the funding. So we're putting together a crowdfunding campaign through them, and Mike is uh, involved as well with that particular project. And if all goes according to plan, and so far it is, Jack will be flying into Los Angeles uh, in spring of next year, and we're going to record in L.A. Uh, but what we're so happy about with this project is that it will be one of the first fiction podcasts that will feature. A diverse cast and a diverse crew in the fact that half of our crew, our creative team, is Native American. One third to one half of the actors will be Native American. No, there will be none of this Johnny Depp being one sixteenth Cherokee crap going on. We're, we're, Um. We're hiring Native American actors to play Native American parts. And um, making this one of the most diverse fiction podcasts that's going to be out there. And I cannot wait for people to hear this thing. I really can't. That is awesome. And we'll have links to both projects. Absolutely. Up on on our show notes and everything. Yeah, we have a uh, website uh, put together by Fantasy Network. And you can sign up uh, for updates and uh, to know more about the crowdfunding campaign. There's going to be two crowdfunding campaigns happening. One happening in October and the other in proper, so to speak, in March uh, one of which we're using to bring in the, the name talent. And there's some pretty significant names in the Native American community that we would love to see involved in this. So that's what the first one's going to be for. Well, I wish uh, you luck with both of them, my friend. Thank you so much. Yeah. That, that very, is very awesome. Exciting. That is yeah. really well. I have to definitely have you back to when the, when the, those are coming more together. Yeah. We definitely, well, when, as when, projects are closer. Yeah. When, when we get, closer with uh, shaman's tears i'll introduce you guys to jack and maybe if i can arrange it 
get the actor who's going to play Joshua Brand to appear as well. So we'll see what we can do. So all right, cool. that's awesome, yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, we'll see we can, thank we'll see you, what we can do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wish you the best. All right. All right. And if people want to uh, find out more about Plunge, just go to seedandspark.com and punch in Plunge into the search engine, and you'll see everything you need to know. Sounds awesome. We'll have a link in our show notes, so they can go right there. Yes. Perfect. Awesome. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back to close up the show. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the Resident Evil Netflix show, Season 1. Netflix's Resident Evil show has finally been released, and it's an eight-episode show that follows two storylines of characters named Jade and Billy as teenagers and then later on as adults. I was not sure what to expect going into this show and truthfully was left wondering where the show was going since the storylines were handled very well and didn't distract when they went back and forth telling the story of the past and the future. My worry was more, do they have a second season and, you know, how are they going to handle the ending of this show because they haven't announced a second season and there's no way they're finishing up what they started into eight episodes. Which they didn't, and I guess they already had a season two okayed, because if not, then why leave your first season as a cliffhanger? But so far, I haven't seen anything about a second season. However, again, why leave your first season as a cliffhanger? I have stuff I really liked about this show, and stuff that I'm a bit iffy on. First off, I loved all the Resident Evil nods, episode four especially. We see a French prison with a chainsaw guy with a burlap sack over his head straight out of Resident Evil 4. We also see the character Baxter do an amazing prison escape shooting scene that, to me, looked like it was a scene out of one of the games. The shooting and fighting off the zombies was spot on to me, and it was the best cinematic scene in the entire season. The alligator was also really cool, but I also just like kaiju-sized monsters. All the monsters in the show were really well done and straight out of the video games. The zombies, the clickers, the spiders. So that was something that was done very, very right. I really wish they made the characters likable because the Wesker kids start off not being likable. And then we see Jade as an adult. And while she isn't as bad as an adult, she keeps making all the same mistakes. And it leaves me wondering how anyone is alive in this T-virus filled world because everyone keeps messing up and making the exact same mistakes they didn't learn from before. The story did seem to drag a bit and you could tell by episode five that they were not going to conclude stuff by the end of the season and that you were going to be left with a cliffhanger. So I am excited to see where the show goes next season, especially with the Ada Wong name drop at the end. It really leaves me hoping that we get to see a lot of other character cameos from the games as well, since we really have only seen Wesker play a leading role. And even then, it's not the Wesker from the games. It's a clone. But I will say Lance Reddick killed it as Wesker. His acting was great. And he did a great job of being calm and then terrifying. I went in not knowing what I was going into with what type of Resident Evil story we were getting and really hoping they were going to follow one of the games. But we got a Resident Evil universe story, basically. Away from the games, not in continuity with anything, which I guess makes it easier on the writing for the episodes. I will watch a second season and see what happens to these characters, especially since they are adding more characters from the games into the second season. I just really hope we get some of the horror elements into this show, because 
that to me was something that was lacking. The Resident Evil games had the action parts and the monster fights, but it also had that eerie horror feeling to them going on as well. And to me, that was one of the things that did fall short in season one. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? You'll have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us here tonight. Of course, the folks from Earth Station Track, Alan and Keith, thank you guys so, so much for being here. Hey, it was a blast. We got to talk about Trek again. So, you know, it's always <laughs> a good time doing that. Yeah, it's great to talk about a series that it seems like we're all like, and we, and we all like different things about it. That's, yeah. that's oh, very much so. And that's what yeah. I like about Trek, especially mm-hmm. good Trek. You know, when it's, you know, something that's positive and, you know, you still get the haters and everything out there, but they're going to hate whatever. And truthfully, I'm loving what, you know, you guys have done on your podcast and you guys keep it interesting and everything because I listen weekly. So it's kind of cool. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, well, you think he's the executive producer of the show. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. The question is, would you if you didn't have to? (laughs) Well, anyway, let's see what you guys have to shout out about. Alan, anything you want to promote or shout out about? Um, Yeah, I've got two podcasts on the ESO network. Uh, We've already mentioned Earth Station Trek. That can be found at um, Podbean and Spotify and iTunes and all those other great places. And we're a weekly show. We talk all about Star Trek. And my other show is Modern Musicology, and it can be found on all those places as well. And we cover every music topic that you can imagine. We've done great interviews. We've got had some great guests. And uh, one of our favorite guests, um, Stephanie Seymour, is going to be on our next two episodes. So tune in for those. Can't wait. Awesome. That is awesome. Can't wait to listen. And Keith, thank you, my friend. Um, always a pleasure. Really enjoyed it, guys. And I'm just going to piggyback on what Alan said about our show, Earth Station Trek, because we're going into a rare hiatus of new Star Trek shows, which is something that in the last couple of years you can't often say. There's a little bit of a time where there's not going to be any new Star Trek shows. And so we're doing some really interesting stuff done this week. We're going to be talking about other science fiction that we grew up watching. So if you want to hear about things like I Was a Teenage Werewolf, Board. Creature from the Black Lagoon. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah. Or Time Tunnel or UFO. Tune That's in right. and listen to that because we're going to go down memory lane and warning. Some of us go all the way back to the silent era of science fiction. So <laughs> and let's take a trip. And we should mention that we're doing these. Uh, all these upcoming shows mm-hmm. are going to be live on Facebook and on YouTube. Right. So look for our YouTube uh, channel or our uh, Facebook group and join in, uh, make comments, ask questions, and we'll take them live. There you go. There you nice. go. Awesome. You know, live shows. Hmm, we should try doing that again someday. <laughs> yeah, possibly. We're, we're doing one tomorrow. I know. <laughs> that's why I was, that's why I was going there. That's why I was going there, Mikey. Hey, let me, let me put in one more thing. Sure. We, we've, we have a tradition that we started where, Every 20th episode that we do, we review that number of episodes from every Star Trek series. 
So our 20th show, we, we reviewed the 20th episode of every series, 40th, 60th. We are coming up in just a couple of weeks to our 80th episode. And we are going to be reviewing the 80th episode of the few Star Trek shows that actually got to 80 and beyond episodes. So, yeah. So that's always a fun one that we do. So look for that. That is awesome, dude. That is awesome. It's, it's, it's so much fun what you guys are doing on this sh- oh, the show. Hey, thank you. And it's like, cause I listen to you guys and, you know, I listen to a couple of the other shows that, you know, I executive produce. So, you know, just to make sure you guys are keeping up to the high standards, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk off the air now. Right. So Mr. Mike, anything you want to help promote? Uh, yes. As always, it's my pleasure. Of course, it's been great to talk about two positive uh, shows uh, that promote positivity and hope uh, on this show, on this episode. It's been great fun to do that. Um, on, a, on a different note, uh, I wanted to give a shout out to all the folks that uh, have uh, supported uh, the Tiki Zombie 10 year Tikiversary Kickstarter. Um, I've been a little slow with the updates, but uh, the year's going by much faster than I can imagine. And it does not look like, uh, we will have any copies on hand at Dragon Con or to mail out uh, before that. So um, I am honored and excited to be a guest at my favorite convention, Dragon Con. Uh, it's my favorite weekend of the year, though I, this, this year there's going to be a bit of a dark cloud because I'm a bit disappointed that the book is not going to be available uh, and it's not done. It's still hanging over us. However, uh, I am working on a few things and we are, I am getting pages from Peter. We're putting the book together. It is still moving forward and it's going to happen. It's just a lot slower than uh, I ever could have anticipated. Uh, but everybody has been so amazingly patient and understanding regarding all these delays. And uh, we're working extra hard to make sure that the book that you guys get, the end product is going to be worthy of, of your trust in us. So thank you so much for supporting us and, uh, and there'll be some good stuff coming. Oh, definitely, sir. I'm looking forward to reading the next issue when it finally does happen. And it's going to be wor- well worth the wait. So very cool, my friend. Um, my shout out real quick. I usually don't go and promote other podcasts, but um, the show Westworld has come back. And of course, you know, there are a few different podcasts out there, but one of the, my favorites that I do love uh, watching, of course, is Decoding Westworld. And it's with David Chen, and he has a new co-host this year, which is great because I couldn't stand the one they had last year um, in the last couple of years. And uh, Joanna's missed, but I'm glad you know they have a new one. And uh, they have have the first four episodes of Westworld are out, and they do a great, great job at breaking everything down and talking about all what's happening on the episodes and everything. And we'll be doing Westworld in a few weeks, but you know, until then, you know, definitely check out, uh, decoding Westworld. It is a fun podcast for a really a show that last night just blew my mind with how, what, <laughs> what they did to us. And, um, 
it, the show, you know, I'll probably be angry at it by the end of the season and say, this is it. This is the end of the series for me. Every season I've done that so far. So I'm fully expecting that, you know, it's like, all right, I'm done with the show. Cause I have the time. I don't even real, I don't even think they know where they're going on it. And it's like, and then they pull the rug out from under you. And that's, that's a great show. Yeah. So, you know, definitely want to, you know, definitely highly recommend that. Also, you know, just happy to announce that we have released a new episode of Rants and Raves. It's available only to patrons. And Mike, myself, and Mary actually took a look at Our Flag Means Death. So we did a nice review on that. And it's available to our patrons as a little bit of a thank you. And you two, as we say at the beginning of the show, can be part of our patron family for only a dollar a month or higher. Depends on how much you want to give. And it's the special shows are available to everyone on Patreon. Just a way to say thank you for helping support the ESO Network. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. And speaking of fun stuff, we are going to be back again next week. And next week, folks, we got a great show for you. We are going to go do a music episode. We are looking at the 30th anniversary of the Bare Naked Ladies album, Gordon. And it's going to be um, a ton of fun because it introduced us to the Bare Naked Ladies. But it also brought some real classics to us. And a lot of people, you know, said... That was one of the better albums of the early 90s. So, you know, it's real interesting to see Alan's making faces about it. So it's pretty awesome to, <laughs> to see about it. But, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Feedback at EarthStation1.com. Let us know what you guys thought about Ms. Marvel or Strange New Worlds. There's so much great stuff on TV right now that we have to piggyback on a lot of different things. And we're also going to do some on um, the our Rants and Raves episodes and such. So we'll be doing that for Patreons. I think our next one, Mike, I think we might have to do Orville next. So I think that yeah, might be fun to talk about. So, you know, we don't have time to talk about it on the main show. So, but I do want to talk about because the season has been fantastic. So definitely. I am caught up and I agree. So, you know, I'll, We'll talk about it off the air and we'll talk about it when we talk about it on Patreon. So, of course, as always, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you can also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now TuneIn Radio and Pandora. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. And yes, we aren't proud to beg for listeners. We need them. We want them. We love you guys. And, of course, on behalf of myself, Mike Faber, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, and Keith Johnson, Alan Seiler, and, of course, Angela and Channing, who was with us earlier. It definitely is great to be able to bring all this entertainment to you guys. Thank you for listening, as always. And you know what? Hug your loved ones. Enjoy summer. And you know what? If you're out in San Diego at Comic-Con, I'm jealous. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> we'll see you later. Peace, and we are done. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. 
Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping at the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.